on the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CHP, see the phenol. Hey, you. Everybody, welcome to the press box and the tailgate crew. I am Jermaine, and I'm riding along to this week with you. We're gonna run to the we're gonna run into the Big Ten conference right now. But for right now, we're gonna get into this daily devotional. 
The Bible verse today is Matthew 6, 9, and 10. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Relationship challenges can be draining. The emotional weight is very difficult to bear alone. During periods like this, you have to draw closer to the only person that has your interests at heart, Jesus. Just avoid beating yourself up and drawing closer to Jesus in prayers and in comfort he will comfort you with his love. Here's another two helpful keys to resolving marriage conflict. Let God direct your prayers. Prayer can be closed-ended or open-ended. When we think our perspective is the only accurate one, we pray closed-ended prayers, calling on God to solve the problem our way, believing the only correct way. However, closed-ended praying produces two problems. Firstly, it locks us into rigid thinking and blinds us to other perspectives. Secondly, it keeps us from seeing God's perspective, the one that, that can heal and restore the relationship. Open-ended praying asks God to solve the problem his way. Pray like this. Your will be done. Ask God to reveal his will to you both. Wait until he does, then pray accordingly. The Bible says this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know what we have asked of him. Number two, remove the conditions from your love. Does this sound difficult? Love is a biblical command, not an arbitrary emotion. God is not asking you to feel warm and fuzzy. He's asking He's asking you to act in a loving way. Wouldn't that be hypocritical? No. It's rising above resentment, hurt, fear, and practicing real faith. It means asking yourself, if I were loving unconditionally right now, what would I be doing? How would I be responding to my spouse? Then do it. The Bible says, no, love never fails, 1 Corinthians 13 and 8. You can lovingly add your way into a, into a new way or a feeling for both you and your spouse. And that's the daily devotional for today. Kind of need to hear that for myself. But we're going to jump into the song real quick, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to jump into the Big Ten.
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine, and we're going to jump right into the Big Ten. Just simply put, after listening to my man Torrance Rudd there, I'll be on my praise. We're going to jump right into the Big Ten. Simply put, last year was the year of the running back in the Big Ten. This year, it's the year of the quarterback. And I say that because this year is so different from past years where usually it's the SEC that has all the quarterbacks or the Pac-10, Pac-12 that has all the great quarterbacks. This year, the Big Ten has totally flipped the script. I can honestly, on on the sheet of paper that I have in front of me, 15 15 returning starters in the Big 12, in the Big 10 this season. Then you also have some new faces from some old names and new places. You got some old, you got some new quarterbacks that are going to make their name for themselves, whether they stay at this, stay at the school that they're at now, or they move on to other schools. With that being said, the, the Big Ten has got everything going for it right now. They won the first college football playoff last year. They returned probably probably five of the best quarterbacks in the nation. And if all five of them come out, I would I would be I wouldn't even hesitate to say that all five of these can go back to back to back to back to back in the NFL draft in 2016. Starting with, arguably for me, probably one of the best quarterbacks that Penn State's ever, 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 ever had. And that that's going back a long way. I mean, they've had the Tony Sockers, they've had the, the Kerry Collins, they've had, um, they've had some great players, they've had some great, some great quarterbacks there. But, Looking at Christian Hackenberg and what he's what he's brought to the table, you know, being that big time recruit out of high school and coming in 
and just being that quarterback in two years and throwing for almost 6,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, you know, upwards around 40 touchdowns, 20-something interceptions. I mean, this kid's got it going. This year is going to be no different. He could be the first quarterback off the board. You know, other quarterbacks, you know, Connor Cook of of Michigan State, who I think probably has an above average arm, but can he make all can he can he sustain that over a period of time like he has in the last two years? He's won some big games, he's won some big bowl games. He's won a BCS game, he's won a, a bowl of uh, that um that bowl of six game, a cotton bowl game last year. So with that being said, Connor Cook I mean, solid Heisman candidate. Um, you know, I mean, you go to Michigan. Michigan's got a solid, stable quarterback. So, I mean, they got a true freshman that could possibly start. Shane Morris is still there, the lefty who hasn't quite fit the bill coming out of high school as a five-star recruit. But this is a make-or-break year for him. Um He's got a nice arm, very strong. Um, I don't think he really fit into into the the kind of offense that Greg, that Brady Hoke wanted to run at at Michigan. But under Jim Harbaugh and that great and that great staff that he has, I think that he'll be able to do some great things. Then you also go on and you have the Iowa transfer Jake Ruddock who's coming in for one last hurrah. And Jake Ruddock for me is is again, he's he's probably one of those great quarterbacks that you probably never heard of. And the one stick that he has that a lot of people have about him, especially in the Iowa fan base, was that he was too conservative. He didn't throw the ball when he should have thrown the ball. And he got supplanted by by Mr. Bedford, Bethard, who uh, played the last few games after after Ritter got hurt. But with that being said, I mean, Michigan's in a great spot with Jake Ritter and Shane Morris, both of the guys, nice arms, you know, less than ideal records for the schools that they played at. But at the same time, if you look at if you look at what Jim Harbaugh brings to the, to the table, he's got two tough quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that like to stand in the pocket, that like to throw the ball down the field. So Michigan's in a great great spot. Um, you go back, and then you go on, you know, you go on and um and on and on. You know, like I, like I mentioned just a few seconds ago, CJ Beathard played a few games for Iowa. Mitchell uh, Leitner who who for me is probably one of the most underrated quarterbacks in all the Big Ten, simply because he plays for Minnesota. Minnesota is not going to sneak up on anybody this year. And as I get into my predictions, you'll see why. Um, Illinois has got a great – they've got a great nucleus here at at Illinois. Um, West Slunt, the, the Oklahoma State transfer – Big time arm, 
rocking on, makes all the throws. If he can stay healthy throughout the season, I think the six and seven year that Illinois had can turn into a seven, eight, maybe a nine win, maybe a nine win season. A little bit of a stretch, but it could happen. Uh, but the key is he has to stay healthy. He also has lost. He's also a receiver um, to a torn ACL. Uh, Might do that. Who was was a great was a great receiver as a true freshman. Um, so you know this is giving you a little just a little bit of what could happen um, in the Big Ten this year in terms of great quarterback play. You know. You do have you have the two school do have two schools that that are looking at quarter at looking at replacing quarterbacks, um, like Rutgers, like um, like Rutgers, and you know, um, and maybe Nebraska. I mean, if if um, if uh, Tommy Armstrong doesn't do as well, which I think he will as a junior. Um, Northwestern is looking for a new quarterback in Patrick in that Patrick Joe uh, spread offense. So there's a lot of quarterback play uh, in the Big Ten again. Like I said, going to be great this year. Um, jumping into jumping into a lot of predictions and a lot of a lot of people talk about, and I'm intentionally leaving out the Ohio State three because that's a given. Um, but I'm gonna start off I'm gonna start off with the West. And honestly, the B ten West has some they've got some dark horses here. And then they've got status quo here too. Um if you think about it, Iowa should be should be much improved. Uh, hopefully quarterback play shows that improvement. Um where they get back into that top tier of the Big Ten as they've been accustomed to for so many years. Um, Wisconsin, Minnesota, not going anywhere. Nebraska, new coach, can improve on a lot of things defensively. I think they're going to have a different mindset. Offensively, I think they're going to stay pretty much the same. They may go back just a tad bit from – being that pass pass run or run pass pass team to being that smash mouth run first mentality type team and then play action over the top. Um Nebraska's got that kinda that kind of kind of mindset. Um the black shirts have to become the black shirts again. For me, Nebraska can be in that top tier of the of the Big Ten, but they've got to find an identity defensively. They gave up way too many points last year. They gave up they gave up a lot of points last year simply because of mental mistakes in the in the defensive backfield. And yes, that was their downfall and and, and um that's the way I look at it. I mean they gave up I mean they were ninth in the Big Ten in in scoring defense at twenty six points a game. They were toward the bottom uh, rushing. They were toward the bottom in passing. They were middle of the pack passing-wise. 
you know, they were they were a strong defensive squad, but they weren't as strong as as they could have been or what they should have been. Um, I think I think what really needs to happen is that they really just need to just like I said, find an identity defensively and offensively. That that's the best way of putting it. Um, I mean, they finished nine and four last year. You know, even with all the distractions that went on with with uh, with Bo Pelini and a lot of the decisions that he made, and then they ran into some injuries um, midway and late through the season, especially with Amir Abdullah, who is now in the NFL. Um, but for myself, you know, Mike Riley is going to install a pro style offense, which is something that you really didn't see. At at Nebraska, um, you know, Bill Callahan tried to bring in the West Coast offense, try to make it pass happy, and he did well, but it wasn't up to Nebraska standards. You bring both Pelini in eight seasons; they were hot and cold offensively, hot and cold defensively. Eight wins. No, eight wins got you to a bowl game, but they didn't. They didn't make that lofty levels that Solich could could have kept could have got him there if they would have kept him, or to that level where it was all about. Um, excuse me. Where it was all about um, Tom Osborne. Um, I just think that there's a lot of there's a lot of things that could happen in in the next few next few months next few years, and Nebraska that's gonna make Nebraska great. Um, that's why I think that they'll be in that their, their dark horse, and, and the schedule is favorable for favorable for them to reach those lofty goals. I mean they they open up the season at BYU. Um, they open up the season at home to BYU. Then they have an out, an out of conference game to Miami at Miami, um, and then they start league play um, with Illinois. So, I mean, they jump right into that Big Ten West play, and I think that this is this is a make or break season for Nebraska as a whole, um, even with a new head coach. Do I think that they could win seven, eight, nine games? It's possible. Do I think that they can win? Do I think that they can have a losing record this first season? It's possible, but not likely because there's a lot of veteran play here. Um, you got six returning starters on each side of the ball, and a lot of players have had a lot of playing time uh, over the past few years. So I think Nebraska can be in that in that top four discussion in that Big Twelve in that Big Ten West, but. I'm going to jump to another dark horse um, that a lot of people really don't talk about, and that's the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Minnesota has got one of those teams that just constantly improves and constantly improves and constantly improves. Um, Defensively under Tracy Clays, I mean, great defense. Not Not so great against against the rush. Great against the pass, but they win games simply by 
sure will. And they've gone into Michigan last year, and they beat Michigan pretty much to death. I think that that was the I think that that was the demise when Minnesota went into Michigan. I think that was the demise of Brady Hoke. But we'll get into the, into that later. Um, I mean, very favorable schedule for them. Also, I mean, they've got some they've got some out of conference games with with some really good teams. I mean, uh, TCU uh, home to TCU. Then they go to see new head coach. Mike Bobo at Colorado State, which is an under the radar big game for Minnesota um, to jumpstart their year um, because the TCU game and the Colorado State game is going to be the jumpstart. I mean, I can see them easily going two and two uh, in the month of September. They've got two Mac. They've got two Mac opponents in Kent State and Ohio. Um, to round out September, and then they jump in this conference play at Northwestern um, on October third. And you know, with returning with returning players like like um, Roderick Williams, who played a little bit last year, uh, Rodney Smith, who redshirted last year, um, really really good. Um, you got some you got some receivers. You know that aren't as, shall I say, well known. Uh, weren't starters last year, but did play a little bit. Um, but there's one receiver in 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 mind that I that I really would like to see, and that's Isaiah Gentry. Um, comes in. He's he's a redshirt freshman. Nice speed. Very good. Very good run. Very good route runner. Um, I just think that if they can keep that core receiving crew there, um, you know, even though they only bring only have four starters returning from Minnesota, I think Minnesota can sneak up on some teams still, even now. I think they can sneak up on teams. Um defensively they they lost a lot. Um You know, defensively they, they lost a lot, and offensively, you know, they bring back. You know, defensively they bring back um, the two corners, Eric Murray and Brian Bodie Calhoun, who I think, along with Demarius Travis and, um, and Antonio Johnson, who played a lot last year, this could be one of the best secondaries in all the Big Ten, simply because they don't give up and they don't give up. Anything on the in the past, um, I mean, you shut down Devin Smith, who only scored one touchdown and only got about, but I think I think it wasn't even a hundred yards uh, receiving that whole game. Uh, you shut down Devin Smith, who you no know, got drafted, went to the NFL, and. This is this. I mean, it's just a great group. Of, this is a great secondary. Their their front seven. Um, you know, they did lose. They did lose a couple of players from that front seven. And they also, you know, lost one last year to death. Um, one of those. One of those players also died last year. So, um, 
So they played with a lot of emotion. They played with a lot of heart last year. And they played with a lot of emotion, a lot of heart anyway. But I just think that there was a little bit more to it last year as opposed to last year as opposed to years past. With that being said, Minnesota has a chance to break into that into that upper echelon. I mean, they're right at the cusp. You know, I think a couple more great recruiting classes, and if they can keep that in-state talent in-state, I can only see them getting better. Um, uh, you know, going to Iowa, uh, Iowa, as I said, um, they really return a they really return five starters. You know, I, I would I would count CJ Beathard as a returning starter. Um he did he did perform he did play in the last few games uh, after Jake Ruddock um got injured. Uh, Jake Ruddock eventually like I said he transferred over to Michigan and uh C J Beathard um is taking over the taking over the program at, at quarterback. I'll tell you something about CJ Beathard that, that nobody will will tell you. This kid will absolutely throw the ball with no fear. He likes he he loves throwing the deep ball. He's got a very powerful arm, not afraid to show it off. He's one of those guys that can be Brett Favre like, but I think he's a little bit more refined than Brett Favre was as a passer. Um, he's got that classic over the top throwing motion. And and he's a son and he's a grandson of of an NFL executive, Bobby Bethard. So with CJ Bethard coming in, you know, uh and then, you know, you, you still got some got some firepower coming back, uh Tevin Smith at receiver. Um and then you have um you know, you lose you lose um Mike we- Mark Wiseman, you know. But Jordan Canzeri is is still there, often injured. But I really think that if he can stay healthy, I think you'll see you'll see that balance come back for Iowa that that they really need offensively, defensively. I think they're very solid, but they gave up too many points and in too many close games. They lost those close games. Simply because lack of lack of focus defensively. I mean, very good passing, very good passing defense. You know, middle of pack rushing defense. I mean, you cannot go wrong with the defense that they have. And I mean, they only bring back six starters, but they've, like I said, they've got a lot of experience on that side of the ball, and the schedule works out perfect for them. Um, They've got they've got a rivalry game with Iowa State in in, in September. Um, they go to Pittsburgh, well they're home to Pittsburgh, and then they jump into they jump in the in the conference play. And man, I can only I can only imagine what what Iowa can do with the schedule that they have. I mean, they're at Wisconsin, they're at Northwestern, they're at Indiana. And then they go to Nebraska to end the season. Um, Iowa has that has a chance to win again seven eight games 
nine games, ten games is a bit of a stretch. But I think if they can get through the swing games at Illinois, at Northwestern, and at Maryland, and they can get some momentum if they, you know, keep the game close, and if they win at Wisconsin or have a close loss at Wisconsin, I think they can carry that momentum in through November, in through October into November, where you know the bulk of their schedule, uh, the bulk of their their divisional schedule is in November with with Indiana, I'm sorry, with uh, Minnesota and Purdue, I'm sorry, and Nebraska. So being being those being that big those big games, um, nine wins is not a stretch. Ten wins could be nine wins. You know, hmm, hmm. but overall, I think. It's an addition by subtraction that Jake Reddick isn't there anymore. I mean, the fan base wasn't really happy with some of the decisions he made. Uh, as I said earlier, with C.J. Beathard, if they can keep him healthy and they keep him on his feet and keep him from not getting sacked so much, he can actually just – he can take the game over and he can be at quarterback that everybody likes. Um, so, I mean, but for me, for me, the, the team to beat in the, in the big, in the big 10 West is Wisconsin. Um, I mean, they've got a lot of people, they've got a, a lot of people back offensively, offensively that they scored a lot of points last year with Joel Save. Um, they're gonna to have to they're gonna to have to find a replacement from Melvin Gordon. Um they're gonna to have to find you know, who rest of twenty five hundred yards. Um Paul Chris coming in from Pittsburgh. Um first game. Uh first season there. Um he got some he got some great players to pick from. Alex Harrison's gonna be gonna be at pass catching wide receiver that, that you're gonna love. Jordan Frederick played a little bit, caught a couple balls last year. Robert Rearwright, um, um, you know, who uh, had a um, had one reception the whole year. Um, you know, Alex Harrison, like I said, you know, 55 receptions, almost 800 yards. Uh, Joe Stave, and I think he needs to improve on his passing. Um, only 53% passing last year. But when you had the likes of Melvin Gordon in your backfield, uh, who all you had to do was just hand off to him. Um, you know, and he did the rest. This, this, is, this is really big for Joe Stave. Um for him in his future uh, endeavors, know whether he wants to go to the NFL or not, or just him being a leader himself. I think this is this is a big time for him, and um, you know, you're breaking in a few offensive linemen. You know, they have a little bit of experience, but not as much experience as they should have. Um, if you want to look at it from that perspective, but I really like what I saw last year. Um, 
really like what I saw last year in the bowl game against Auburn. Um, but this, but the schedule for them sets up perfectly after after Alabama. You know, they go to Alabama, they go to Arlington, open up the season in Arlington against Alabama, which could very possibly be <laughs> shall I say a precursor to the playoffs because this is a big time matchup. First first game of the season, first game out um, against Alabama. We can Joe Stave can actually put himself on the map with a big win uh against against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um the month of October for them is just <laughs> I mean let's just uh, let's just call it what it is. It, it it's brutal. Um they're at a good they're at a good Iowa team. They're at a they're at a good Nebraska team. They're at a an up and coming Illinois team who again, uh, as I've said before with Westland, you know, can put a lot of scaring put some scaring to a lot of people. Um, then they go to Rutgers. Rutgers should be very much improved, even though they're looking for a new quarterback. But we'll get into Rutgers later on. And then they end November with Maryland, Northwestern and Minnesota. And Minnesota again should be in that, that top tier Should be in that top tier um, Big Twelve West um, division. Um, but with that being said, my my prediction for the Big Twelve West is um, is simple. Wisconsin won. Uh, I'm gonna go gonna go Nebraska too, and I'm gonna go. With Iowa slash Minnesota number three, and I really think that that could go either way. Um, and they have a matchup. They have a matchup together um, on November fourteenth. Uh, Minnesota traveling to Iowa, traveling to Kinnick Stadium. So, um, with that being said, uh, this is a very strong Big, big Ten West. And do I think that anybody from the Big Ten West can get out and get into the playoffs? It's going to be a bit of a stretch, and I'll not explain to you. I'll explain it to you a little later on after after we um after this song.
Brian Scope said it reminded me our defense is dominant. Plus, offensive line of beat, running back, safeties and cornerbacks. We on attack, road tide, 200 interceptions, 100 sacks. Elephants are super intelligent, but if ever push, we'll don't want eagles and gators if they are edible. Sports in a highlight, they say are incredible. Look up at the scoreboard, if they we ahead of you. Road tide. You should just pledge it too, Crimson Tide Nation, that is who we reppin' to. I'm so Alabama, I'm so Alabama, I'm so Alabama, I'm so Alabama, ayy. Roll Tide, Roll Tide, Roll Tide, Roll Tide. Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine, and I'm by myself today when we're talking about the about the Big Ten. About to jump into the Big Ten East, and the Big Ten East has a his as a as a conference by itself. If you were to put the Big Ten East, the SEC West, and the Big Twelve South. And let them play in the NFL. Those would be the seventh, eighth. Well, okay. I would put the Big Ten East, the SEC West, and the Pac-12 South above the AFC South. They would be rock bottom. <laughs> I mean, because You've got 20 teams there that that can actually just beat the crap out of out of those teams in the AFC South. No disrespect to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but you guys are awful. So let's just put that out there now. The Big Ten East, for me, like the SEC West, like the Big, like the Pac-12 South, as we talked about in past weeks. Um, and we will talk about the, the SEC in the next couple of weeks. Um, the Big Ten East, do I think that do I think that there will be a playoff team to come out of the Big Ten West? Getting back to that question I posed earlier, I'm gonna say it's possible. And I'm gonna go through the reasons why. All right. First off, let's just start off by saying that there's some great teams in in the Big Twelve East, in the Big Ten East, that is they're stacked. And um, the first team that I'm gonna start off with is, is Michigan State. Michigan State. They've got they've got they've got a nucleus coming back defensive line wise. You know they're they're gonna have to break in a um, a new running back. 
Um, you know, they've got they've got an incoming freshman in uh, L.J. Scott who, um, if he is um, eligible right off the bat, can jump in and get some get some get some uh, runs, get some carries. Um, Javon Pendleton, great fullback, can move back into the back, can move back a step and actually run the ball. Also, you know, he's a big back, but I think I think you'll see him more or less as a fullback. And then Connor Cook, as a senior, with with some things coming back this year, Josiah Price um, coming back. Um, you know, um, you know his his left tackle Jack Conklin is back. I mean, so there there's a there's a bit of a there's a bit of a, a of a comfort level for Connor Cook to go through, um, especially working with Jim Bowman and working with Dave Warner, the co-offensive coordinators there, and just by sheer looks, um. And with the receivers that are coming back, like an AJ Troop who, who who played a lot last year, um, you know, they lose Tony Lippett, they lose uh, like I said, they lose, they lost uh, running back Jamie Langford. Um, but they've got to grow up quick and the reason why I say they need to grow up quick is because they got some grown men coming in um on September twelfth in Oregon and Connor Cook torched Oregon last year to the tune of almost 300 yards last to the tune of over 300 yards passing last year. Um, but you know, receivers like Aaron Burbridge, Monty Medeiros, AJ Troop, like I said, they need to step up and they need to they need to step up in a big way. Um, you know, Connor Cook is is one of those one of those players who can take over a game. He he's a pocket passer. But has pretty good feet for 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 a pocket passer. So I mean, he can get out and run if he has to. Um, but I like I like what what I'm what I can see from the offensive line. Um, defensively, they they're a bit of Jekyll and Hyde. Um, you know, two losses last year. Um, you know, they're eleven in passing, but they're great against the run. They were number one in the nation against the run. Uh so this thing Michigan State, if you look at it often if you look at it from a defensive standpoint, is what um well, a Big Ten announcer once said, "SEC light," <laughs> um, meaning you know, just like Diet Coke, just like you know, Coke to Diet Coke. It, it's it's almost like a Diet Coke, so to speak. Um, and I can see that. Um, very good defense. Um, they lost. They they did lose some great corners last year. They had some great corners. They lost a great safety last year. Um, I mean, Shalit Calhoun is back. Lawrence Thomas is back. 
Derrick Harrison back. Riley Bullock is just a monster who played a lot last year. Darian Hicks, who who played a lot last year, um, was a starter for most of the season. Uh, Monte Nicholson, who's coming in, played a lot last year. Demetrius Cox played a lot last year as a corner. Um, I just think that there's a lot of things that could go, that could be very well rounded for Michigan State. They should improve on on the on the 60th national ranking uh, for passing defense. Um, should be much improved than that. The rushing defense should be the same. Um, myself, you know, I'm a special teams guy. I know I was a kicker in high school. I was a punter in high school. You know, Michigan State, they lost a great punter uh, last year. But they also gained a great punter. And this is only the third punter that Mike D'Antonio's had. Michael Geiger is is just a solid kicker. Uh, will he be healthy enough to kick to to play the whole season? As he had a hip procedure and then he missed spring practice. Um, with that being said, stacked top to bottom, Michigan State's probably one of those teams that is going to be a top ten team when the preseason poll comes out, and can be one of those teams that could just really, really, really dominate in the Big Ten in the Big Ten East, but. They've got some, like I said, they've got some bumps in the road. That starts to Oregon, and then they have, they have, um, they're at Rutgers, they're at Michigan. Uh, Indiana's going to be well improved um, if they can keep Nate Sutfield um, healthy, keep him from being like paper. Um, they're at Nebraska, they're home to Maryland, they're at Ohio State, and they end the season at Penn State. This is a murderer's row of games. By far, Michigan State, for me, has the toughest schedule in all of the in all of the Big Ten. You know, starting starting in September, they've got then they've got Oregon, which could go either way, and they got them at home. Um, they got. Rutgers, who should be improved, even though they're breaking in the quarterback. Michigan, again, should be improved. New coach, addition by subtraction. Um, Indiana, like I said, should you know, should be shouldn't be a roadblock. But Indiana can has also shown that they can play with anybody. Um, as as um as proven by last year when they went over to Faroe Field and they beat the SEC East champion Missouri Tigers. So Indiana can play with anybody. Nebraska, they're at Nebraska uh, at Memorial Stadium. That's probably going to be an ABC game at night. I mean, on November 7th. Boom. I mean, that's just right there, just enough said. Nebraska, Michigan State, in Lincoln, no said. Maryland, they're home to Maryland. Maryland should be, again, Maryland should be an improved team under Randy Etzel. Um, But we'll get into Maryland in in just a few minutes. 
at Ohio State. We'll get into Ohio State and again in a few minutes. Um and then they end then they end with the land with the land grant trophy game against Penn State. Um and you know, jumping into Penn State for me Penn State has probably again the best quarterback in the Big Ten. Um He's that prototypical pro style quarterback, Christian Hackenberg. Um, for me, you know, he's got some great, got some great receivers coming back. Deshaun Hamilton, um, Geno Lewis. Um, then you got some. Then you're breaking in. Um, you're breaking in the uh, uh, running backs. Who saw Ashton last year, and you also bring back a running back who saw Ashton, who saw Ashton, you know, last year in the Lynch. So I mean, like you got four running backs, you know, at Penn State that can just absolutely run the ball. Um, what will help Penn State this year, as opposed in the years past, is that. They should be at a full 80, 85 scholarships, and I think that they are. At, I think they'll be close to the 85 limit. I think they'll have, like, I think it'll be 77, 78 this season, and then next season they'll be that, to that full 85. With that being said, do I think Penn State can, can compete well, this year? Yes. And they're going to be – a dark horse for me. They're going to be a major dark horse for me. This is a team with Christian Hackenberg, which with a lot of receivers coming back, a big of their their offensive line, a big core of their offensive line coming back, uh, a tight end in Kyle Carter who was just a security blanket for, for Hackenberg last year. Uh, uh, and again, with four running backs, that can that can just ball. Penn State could win nine to ten games. I mean, let's put it this way. Let's look at it from a perspective of this. They have a very favorable schedule. Very favorable. They miss out on playing Nebraska. They miss out on playing Iowa. They miss out on playing on playing Wisconsin. I mean <laughs> and they miss out on playing on playing Minnesota. I mean so I mean you you miss out on the top four teams in the Big Twelve West in the Big Ten West. Very, very favorable. You know you got records at home. You have Temple at home and you're I mean you're you're revitalizing a of a state rivalry with Temple that I think should have been rekindled a long time ago. And I'm excited to see that game. Not only from from a football from a football perspective, but just from a purist perspective. Um just excited to see that game. Um you know, you got a really good San Diego State team coming in. And then, you know, Army, Indiana. Again, Indiana Indiana can beat anybody and they should they should win six, seven games. At Ohio State, Ohio State is Ohio State. We'll get to them later on. 
you know, the month of October for 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 Penn State is that make or break, is that make or break type of excuse me, that make or break type of season breaker right there. Um, with swing games at Indiana, swing game at at Maryland, and then a much improved Illinois team. They get you into that stretch run where you play Northwestern, you play Michigan, and you play Michigan State. Um, myself, I can see them going nine and three. I, I I can I can honestly say I can see them going nine and three. But with the way that their schedule ends up, you know, nine and three isn't isn't that much of a stretch. Eight and four isn't that much of a stretch either. Guys, I mean just listening just looking listening to myself talk about Penn State and talk about the schedule and James Franklin. Oh boy. I'm just excited about seeing where Penn State can go. Uh post post this Sandusky um post Sandusky paternal era. Um, so I mean I just I just can see that that being just a big thing for me. Um moving on and um looking at looking at other schools, um Michigan again I bring up Michigan for this point. Michigan um is one of those teams that can basically do what they want to do. I mean, um, they're basically one of those teams that that should be a top echelon team. But <laughs> truth be told, I think um, I thought the AD was an idiot, um, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, that's just beyond the point. When you bring in Brady Hoke instead of trying to go after Jim Harbaugh in the in the beginning, um, I think you know, guys like Shane Morris, guys like Devin Gardner, guys like um you know guys like that, they would have been better off. Because they would have been well coached, they would have been you know well put together. I mean, you made two bad hires, in my opinion. After Lloyd, after you let go of Lloyd Carr, you brought in a Rich Rodriguez, who let's just say he just he he was an epic fail. You bring in Brady Hope, and honestly. He didn't really get a. He didn't really pan out well because he really wasn't. He really wasn't a, a Big Ten type coach, even though he did, you know, coach at Michigan before. He did, you know, he was a Michigan man before, beforehand. But I think for myself. Jim Harbaugh is a, is a perfect hire, and he's a perfect hire because 
he is so much like Bo Schembechler. I mean, he's a Bo Schembechler clone, pretty much. Um, you look at you look at what he does physically, uh, what he did physically at, at at Michigan, and what he's doing physically now at Michigan. You know, he's toughening up the quarterbacks. Everything about Michigan is going back. Almost, I want to say almost old school, like even though with the with the practice restrictions that that you have in the NCAA, it just seems like everything is more. Judging from myself from seeing that spring game, it just seemed like everything was way more competitive than what has been in the past. So Michigan can be one of those teams. Again, their schedule their their schedule sets up pretty favor you know pretty favorable too. Um, you know, they start off. I mean, September, they have two Pac-10 um, opponents in Utah and Oregon State. Utah actually came into Michigan last year, and simply put, they beat the crap out of <laughs> they beat the crap out of Michigan at Michigan Stadium. And simply put, I think. That game right there, coupled with the domination job that Minnesota put on Michigan at home, I think that spelled the demise for for Brady Hope. You know, aside from the five and seven record, I mean, look at look at who they lost to. I mean. They lost to Utah and Minnesota back to back. You get shut out at Notre Dame, thirty-one to nothing. You get beat up in the rain shortened game against Utah, twenty-six to ten, which I think could have been forty forty to ten or more. Um, again, the next week you the next week you you lose to Minnesota and they dominate you from start to finish. Um, and then you go to Rutgers and you give up a you give up a twenty point lead and you lose that game. You lose that game. Um, you know, then then you go then you have then you you kind of right the ship a little bit and you and you win against Penn State at home, and then you go to Michigan State and they embarrass you. <laughs> I mean, then you and you win you win winnable games against Indiana Northwestern, and then you lose a game at Maryland that you shouldn't have lost, and then you get beat up by by Ohio State. That that right there, if you look at it, if you look at it from that standpoint, that's the reason why Jim Harbaugh is there. Jim Harbaugh should have been there from the beginning, in, you know, in my opinion. But if you look at this year's schedule. You know, there's a lot of revenge. There's a lot of revenge on on, on the minds of, of these Wolverine players. And you know, with returning starters, I mean, there's not many of them. But with the ones that you have, um, like Ryan Glasgow, uh, Chris Warmly, James Ross III, Joe Bolden, Blake Countess, who who is not there anymore. You know, you lose him, he transfers to Auburn. Um, and then you have Jabril Peppers, who's there, who come in, who came in. Um, who 
who came in this past year. Um, can, yeah, he can really bring, you know, he can really bring something to the table for Michigan. Um, I mean, they were very solid defensively, if you think about it. I mean, they really were. They just – they didn't get consistent play, quarterback play. They didn't have consistent running play, running back play. I mean, they didn't score at all. I mean, they were near the bottom in every offensive category, but near the top defensively. Um, so – with that being said, I mean Michigan should should bounce back this year. They should win about six. They should win seven, seven to eight games, um, six to seven games. But it's usually the second year for me. Um, with with most of these hardball teams, if you think about it, um. If you look at what he did at Stanford and you look at what he did at San Diego, you know, it was always his second year teams that that, you know, that did the most damage. So while I think that they could compete in the Big Ten East and be that that mid that mid to lower um Big Ten East team they can help in the cannibalization of the Big Ten East, and I, but they have a tough they have a tough road to hoe. I mean, you know, you got some you got some pretty you got some pretty nice games in the month of September. I mean, they could pretty much come out of September one and three, uh, coming off the bat. I mean, they're at Utah. They're home to Oregon State. They have UNLV at home. BYU comes in. I mean, and then the month of October, there's just a murderous row of of teams that that are out to just just beat your lights in. Um, they go to Maryland. They're home to Northwestern. They're home to Michigan State. And they go to Minnesota. I mean, they don't avoid anybody. And... You know they go to Rutgers. You know they're home to Rutgers. They go they go to the Rock in in, in Bloomington and play Indiana, and they play at Penn State, and then they they're home to Ohio State. So you know looking looking at this schedule and the way that this schedule pans out for me, Michigan Kent should be lucky to get six wins out of this schedule, but I can see them winning seven. I can see them winning six, maybe seven, if they get the ball rolling. Early and they had and, and that ball starts with Utah. They go to Rice Stadium in Utah. It's gonna be a loud, boisterous crowd. I mean, you're opening up the season. You're opening up the season on a Thursday. So myself, you're opening up the season. You've got, you've got to. You've got to show what your wares are. You got to show what you're made of, um, and that that's a big that's a big deal for me. You know, showing what you what you're made of. Um, you know, another another club that that really is under the radar, and that that's like I said, that's the Maryland Terrapins. Um, I mean, they they lose they 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 lose they're losing a lot. You know, but they've also 
they've also gained a lot too. Um, you know, they got a return. They got two returning running backs, and in West Brown and Brandon Ross, and they are they can they can ball. And I think for myself, those are some those are some some nice backs. I mean, um, they lost Stephon Diggs, but um, you know, Caleb Rowe comes in, and I think that he he'll be okay. Uh, and the reason why I say he's going to be okay is because he's he's played some. He's played some, and um, with Caleb Rowe, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a check on Hyde thing. When he's healthy, he's good. When he's not healthy, well, he's not playing. So I mean, if you can keep him from from getting hurt, I think that you'll be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, You know, then then you have uh, you know some other players coming in. Um, during Gray, during Gray, if he if he's healthy, uh, Damian Prince, Brandon Moore, you know, when healthy, those guys can be really good. Ryan Doyle is a great offensive guard, who I think is pro ready, and Drizella is a great offensive lineman, who I think is pro ready. But if they can keep these out, if they can stay healthy on the offensive line, they can stay healthy uh, quarterback-wise um, with the talented receivers that they have and LeBron Jacobs and Jamon Renfrey, Marcus Leak, who I, who I think is just – who can just catch the ball, you know. But he lets a lot of balls get in into his body and he drops a lot of balls. But if he can just – Improve the pass catching. Maryland has a chance, even though they went seven and six last year. That seven and six could have easily been ten and two, uh, nine and three, ten and two. That that's how good and improved this Maryland team was. And I think that it is good that they gave Randy Etzel a little bit more time because if you, when you look at it from from that standpoint, if you, you know you're about ready to to wring Randy Etzel's neck uh, when he first came when he when he came to Maryland. Now he's in the Big Ten, and now you're seeing you're seeing the wheels start to turn a little bit more for Randy Etzel, and you're starting to see the Maryland the the Maryland Terrapins start to make themselves a little bit more a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better each year. Um the fan base is starting to come around a tad bit more. You haven't seen that kind of, you haven't seen the fan base come to come to a Maryland game since they went back to back winning S E C championships and going to back to back Orange Bowls um in the early two thousands. With that being said, Maryland has a chance to to really throw a monkey wrench into into the Big Ten East um, with their schedule, I mean, uh, conference-wise, um, you know, they have Michigan at home. They're home to Michigan, and they go to Ohio State, and then they then they have Penn State and Baltimore 
which is a home game for is a home game for for Maryland. They're playing in Baltimore. Um, they play at Iowa. You know, they don't avoid they don't avoid any of the powers of the, of the West. Um, so I mean, with that being said, I mean, this year's a little bit different from from past years. I mean, um, you know, they still got to play Iowa. They still got to play Wisconsin, but. You know, at Michigan State, at Indiana, at Rutgers, they can pull some. They can pull some upsets, and if they pull these upsets, that means that everything's everybody's gonna cannibalize themselves. You know, and to, and then you know we'll get back to that question I asked earlier. Um, does the Big Ten get two teams out of the conference? Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Moving on. And last but not least, we'll go to Indiana. And Indiana, for me, had the worst look of any school last year because after starting so strong, um, Come from behind, win against against Bowling Green. Um, you know, you go to Missouri and you beat Missouri thirty-one to twenty-seven, which, in all actuality, was really a thirty-one to to fourteen game. Um, they scored two late touchdowns. Um, thing is, is that you got a coach that's, that's pretty much on the proverbial hot seat. Because you go three and one, you go four and one to start the year, and then you lose six straight, and then you beat your in-state rival Purdue, you know, and you finish five and six. I it, it was so hard for me to to stomach that because after after uh, Nate Sudfield uh, got injured. And Tevin Coleman, you know, Tevin Coleman carried that team after after Sheffield got hurt. Rushed over two thousand yards, so you had you know you had another two thousand yard rusher in 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 the um, in the Big Ten last year. It, it was so hard because you started to see that promise that Kevin Wilson, you know. Showed as a offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, you, you were starting to see. You were starting to see that his his mindset. You're starting to see those wheels turning for him as a head coach. He was starting to get it all together, and then you lose your quarterback, and then you're forced to play. You lose your first three quarterbacks, and you're forced to play your fourth stringer, um, who was a true freshman. And for me, you know, it was very, very hard. But Nate Sutfeld, he's back. Um, so I mean, when they when they lost a the quarterback, they pretty much lost their season. Now, now that he's back and he's healthy. 
it's gonna be very interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what kind of what kind of team Indiana really is. Um, and they're in a t- like, like I said, they're they're probably in the enviable task of, oh boy, what have I gotten myself into? Um, the month of October is just it is brutal. I mean, brutal, brutal. Um. If they can at least get four, if they can, if they can at least go three and one in September, I, I think that they should win at least six games. Um, they should win six games, but I mean October third, I mean Ohio State, October ten, October ten, Penn State, the seventeenth Rutgers, and the twenty fourth at Michigan State. That's a murderer's row of. That's a murderer's row right there. And it's just... It's just one of those things, man. It's just like, wow. Oh, wow. And then... Then November is, is not any better. Um, November, I mean, you got you got Iowa, you got Michigan, Maryland, and, and Purdue to end the season. I mean, it's very hard for them to to get. It's going to be very hard for them to get six wins. It's probably going to be very hard for them to get five wins, but. I really, really think that Indiana is one of those teams on the up and up. And I think that they should, you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, Kevin Wilson, Kevin Wilson, Kevin Wilson should be gone. But let's look at let's look at it from this perspective. Offensively, you know, you get hurt, you lose a lot of people. Um Offensively, defensively, um, it's not the offense that's killing you; it's your defense that's killing you. I mean, you're you're near, you're at or near the bottom in scoring defense, rushing defense, passing defense. Then you're rock bottom in passing defense, and you're dang near the bottom of total defense. Um, Thirty-two points a game, you're giving up. That's not good. Um, you, know, you give up almost 200 yards rushing the game. You give up almost 300 yards. You give up, um, you give up a little over 250 yards passing. That's not good. Um, so you have no identity. You have no identity, you know, uh, defensively. And, but – if you look at it from a positive standpoint from 2013-2014, you're down 94 yards. You allowed less yards this year than you did last year. So, so I mean, you know, we want to look at it from that perspective. I mean, that, that that's the way I would look at it. Um, but, you know, the scoring defense, the scoring offense for me, if 
you can keep a healthy if you keep a healthy quarterback. Uh, I think that you're gonna you're gonna see some things that that you really haven't seen from an Indiana team, and um, you know they could win the, the they could win the six seven games, but it's it's an awful ask of them, you know, this year. I really think. You know, they're about a year away. So, I really think they're about a year away. But, um, getting back to to uh, the top of the, the Big Ten East, um, for me, it is status quo. You know, uh, Ohio State, if you put when you put it put in this put in this in this way, 2013, Oklahoma State had three quarterbacks, three really good quarterbacks. One of those quarterbacks was West Lent, um who's at Illinois. You had three quarterbacks that could start, that could do a lot of different things for you. Um, they can do a lot of great things for you. But when you look at it from another standpoint, you couldn't really settle on the starter. Ohio State has the same type of I wouldn't call it a problem. I, I, I call it a bit of a shall I say I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't even call it a problem. I would, I would call it a blessing, so to speak, because Braxton Miller, who's a, who's a three-year starter, um, didn't play at all last year because of shoulder surgery. JT Barrett comes in, and he pretty much runs rough shot. You know, that abomination against Virginia Tech, at home last year was what it was. It was an abomination. Um, after that, they just started scoring points left and right. I mean, you look at what they've done. You look at the points they put up. I mean, after the Virginia Tech loss, 66 against Kent, 50 against Cincinnati, 52 against Maryland, 56 against Rutgers. I mean, then you had that close overtime loss, that close overtime win against Penn State. Um, Illinois, you destroyed 55. You scored 55 on, on Illinois. You go into you go into Spartan Stadium. National TV, and on the biggest day of the year, football-wise, and you score 49 on Michigan State, which is that good. You know, you win a tough one against Minnesota, again. Again, you know, you look at Minnesota and you look at, you look at that. Um, Indiana, 
you, know, you put four and two against Indiana and Michigan, and then you go to your conference championship game, your your semifinal game, and you go to your your champ, you go to the championship game, and you look at the points they put up on the board: fifty nine, forty two, and forty two. And they did it all in different ways. You know, after after Cardell, after um, J.C. Barrett went down, I mean, with J.C. Barrett, it was throwing and running. It was him throwing the ball and running the ball. With Cardell Jones, Cardell Jones, oh, boy. It was like, it was almost as if, let me throw the ball, you know? Let me throw the ball. I'll get you to the promised land by doing it my way. I'll throw the ball. I've got this arm. They call me 12 gays, and they'll call me 12 gays for nothing. This is my arm. I'm going to show you my arm. And he did it to the tune of 3-0 and and that's the championship. I mean, Let's not let's not discount what those three quarterbacks have done because you had some great you had some great running back play from Ezekiel Elliott. You had some great running back play from from Curtis Samuel. You know, and you had some. And you know, you you had last year. You had you had a Devin Smith. You don't have that this year. You got Michael Thomas, who was who was just as good. You got Corey Smith, who was just as good. Uh, Jalen Marshall, who's your returner last year, who is just, I mean, again, he's probably got more speed than Devin Smith. No, top speed than Devin Smith. But bring back, you bring back so much when you bring back guys like him. The offensive line, you only lost him. I mean, you really lost like one, maybe two offensive linemen, and the offensive linemen that you lost, you actually lose them. You actually addition by subtraction. Again, we use that terminology again: addition by subtraction, because you've got offensive linemen who played before. You've got tight ends who played before, and you look at what they've done, what they've done, recruiting wise. Man, the Reds only get richer. And then you go to the defense side of the ball, where they're solid defensively. You know, near the top in the Big Ten in every in every defense category. Um, and you return, you return probably the best safety combination in all the country, in Tyvis Powell and Von Bell. You know, Eli Apple's back, you know, at corner. And then defense, that front seven, I mean, the front seven is probably the strongest front seven in all the Big Ten. I mean, this is scary. Do I think Ohio State can go back-to-back? Oh, sure. Do I think that they'll go undefeated this year? Possible, but but not so likely. I mean, they open up with Virginia Tech. 
you know, and then they jump into conference play, and let's just say conference play for them, I can see them going undefeated in conference play, but I can also see them with one or two losses. Um, Michigan State is going to be very much improved. Uh, Minnesota is going to be well improved. Rutgers is going to be improved. Penn State is going to be improved. But that being said, with that being said, I mean, with that being said, I mean, Joey Bosa, Dolphus Washington, Joshua Perry, Dan Lee, and your that that's part of your front seven. And your front seven is probably one of the best front sevens. I want to say in the history of the school, but in the last five, ten years, that's how good that front seven is. And they're only going to get better because the players that are playing behind them are just as good, if not, you know, they're just as good. So, I mean, so much, there's so much. To, to say about Ohio State, you, I mean, you can actually fit this in one episode. But with that being said, for me, Ohio State will win the East. Michigan State will be second. Penn State will be third. But I'm only picking Penn State to be third because I don't think that they'll beat Ohio State, and I don't think they'll beat Michigan State. Though, that's the, I don't. I don't think. I don't. You know. I just don't think Penn State can can win. Um, can win those two games. Uh, Michigan should be improved and finish fourth. Uh, Maryland should be five. Indiana should be six. Um, Rutgers, Rutgers for me is about a year away. They find a quarterback, they'll be they'll be just fine. With that being said, gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine, and I'm on here by myself. But we're making the best of it. So let me – to ask you – now, let's get back to the question I posed earlier. Um, do I think that the Big Ten could get two teams in? It's possible, but not likely. Simply because if Ohio State does not run the table, if they don't run the table, then you're going to have that much more parity in the Big Ten. Which means that If Wisconsin goes, say, 10 and 2, 11 and 1, you know, and say an SEC, an SEC school, which we'll be talking about the SEC next week, is it as good? isn't as good um, or as, shall I say, impressive as the two Big Ten schools, then yes, I would say so. But I think the I think the best way of putting that is, is that if Ohio State doesn't run the table and go undefeated through the season, then they don't then you won't you won't get to see two teams from the big team. Um but I think that the two team the two the two conferences that, that could get potentially get two teams is the Big Ten and the SEC. And we'll talk about the SEC in a couple of weeks also. Um but I really think that you're gonna get you're gonna get you're gonna get at least one team out of the big team. And that one team will be Ohio State. Uh no hard to no hard to tell hard to tell you that, but you know, myself, I just think that Ohio State is just in the class of their own right now. I mean the recruiting class that they'll have next year as in in the recruiting class they have this year coming in. Um it is. It sucks. I mean, it, it, it's it's going to suck for the rest of the for the rest of the the Big Ten. Um, it just will. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's just going to be bad for for the rest of the Big Ten. Um. So, um, do I think the national champion will come out of the Big Ten? hard to say, but does the Big Ten have the potential to go to make that run like the SEC does or has has had? Yet to be seen. And like I said, um, you've got some big time matchups, you know, that's in a 
that's going to really sort of really change the landscape of the playoffs of the playoffs from week one on. Um I think September third, September fifth, um you know, September third, you know, when Michigan opens up the season. Um up to October third, even October seventeenth. I mean that whole month of October as well as the month of November will be the will be the big breaking point for everybody involved, especially especially those who have those have those aspirations of being in that college football playoff and um a lot of swing games in that also. So like I said, do I think a national champion will come out of this? Um It's possible, very possible. But with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play a song by my man, Connor Cassidy, Kyle Bent. Called Framework, and we'll be right back. Well, my people starve. I think the public getting blind to what honesty is. 
I heard life is safe, play a part But we ain't trying to be a part of this comedy biz Cause ain't it funny, I'm holding like no grudges As long as your hoes love it and money just keeps coming Trying to rain on your fire by burning my whole budget A liar, well y'all liars rely on the same subject The drag swimming, the aim bringing the same thing Your mind locking the lames, rocking the same blame The bed swinging, the seats clinging, the same dreams uh, A low limit, what the frame brings Low limit, what the frame brings We up late again, plotting on the same thing Low limit, what the frame brings We up late as hell, plotting on the same thing Plotting on the same Plotting on the same On the same thing Plotting on the same Plotting on the same On the same thing A low limit what the frame brings. A low limit what the frame brings, yeah. A low limit what the frame brings, uh. Applying on the same things, yeah. We about to get a choir in here. Plotting on the same things. We just plotting on the same things, yeah. Plotting on the same things. We up late as hell, plotting on the same things. Trotting on the same thing, trotting on the quest to with against us with the fame brain. Come and be my guest, you can get blamed, man. Let me get my dragon out the den. Let me maintain the flow as I craft it with my pet. I'm a master with the rap and can't be matched by many men. Cause I passed you when I traveled down the path you've never been. Staying active with this passion, try and stack up all the gen. Try and snatch up all the cabbage, silly rabbit with a spin. I'm a savage, call me Ben. Sending rappers turn to dirty bastards when I have to dip. Instrumentals can get ripped. Shooting lyrics off my men don't make you rap. Get the memo like I'm deadly with the clip That's a semi-automatic You can bet we bring the havoc Load the barrel, let them have it Just be sure to leave your address I'm addressing all the rappers Playing dress up You in the wrong sector Thought I'd tell you the rap game is not a pageant It's tragic Since a young and been busting bum to get out the gutter Avoiding trouble and now I'm buzzing due to this hunger I'm busting bubbles, waking brothers up from slumbers Now I'm no longer the underdog I'm heating up this summer No more dreaming, only action Me my team gon' make it happen We just scheming, strategizing why you guys are steady napping? Treasure my presence like pirate chest. I'm spitting crack, release the cracking. Kyle moving back, and so I hope you rappers started packing. Hey, dead and evicted. And even claws know that the boys' bars are gifted. We making noise, neighbors might call the boys, they tripping. Might leave a sticky note with a message. You just missed us. Hey, we've been working hard, people never stop that hating. Only seem to quiet down when Kyle finally elevating. Early flights and elevators take me to my destination. 17 and getting green, but we ain't even met the fame. It's too much money here. I mean, nobody should be hitting lotto for 36 million and we got people starving in the streets. That is not idealistic. That's just real. That is just stupid. There's no way Michael Jackson should have, or whoever Jackson, should have a million thousand, drupal billion dollars and then there's people starving. There's no way. There's no way that these people should own planes and their people don't have houses, apartments, shacks, drawers, pants. I know you're rich. I know you got $40 billion, but can you just keep it to one house? You only need one house. And if you only got two kids, can you just keep it to two rooms? I mean, why have 52 rooms and you notice somebody with no room? It just don't make sense to me. It don't. Yeah, that was my man Connor Cassidy with Kyle Bent called Framework. Getting back into our conversation now. Next week, there will be no show next week as 
for the 4th of July holiday, but check me out July 11th, 10 a.m., Press Balls. That being said, I appreciate you, appreciate you all for listening. Come check me out, Jay Houston 17 at Hot, Houston 17 on Twitter, Jermaine Houston on Facebook, Tailgate On at Twitter. Check out my admin, Wendy, at Wendy at W Renee. My man, Terrence, tomorrow, check him out tomorrow, 6 o'clock here, Block Talk Radio. And I just want to give a special shout-out and thanks to my mom, my dad, Terrence, Wendy, you know, everybody behind me, everybody who's making this show a success. And let's just keep this going. Um, I appreciate I appreciate everybody everybody supporting this. You know, this is a dream of mine, and I hope, and I hope that I'm reaching the masses with my love of football, my love of sports. So, that being said, I'll see you guys in two weeks. Love you all, and y'all have a great. Have a great weekend. Also, have a great 4th of July. And again, two weeks, we'll be talking about the ACC. Peace. We out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, fine, no, yeah. I got it. I'm yeah. the soul plane pilot. Yeah. I got dicks off in my radar. High yeah. school, could college. What's they feeling me like the dentist. Get this ride, man, like Dennis. And my one, no probably send it. So I ride around and I'm getting it. I'm all about my pay. She been, she getting paid. I'm fist pumping now, so I'm dodging Narganes. I'll probably take your girl and probably never date her. Probably thinking she won't do it. Bet she will. I'ma run it up. Yeah. Well, uh. You come from uh. Yeah, I'm cool like that. Yeah. Uh. I'm going in the cave again. D-Mac, I'm an alien. I ain't wearing black and white, but boy, I got it made again. All I think about is dropping like a bad sauce. I ain't in the streets, but boy, I got your ass fall. Younger said, charge on, care about the stats. Now you can run it, run it, sell
I do this. <laughs> Just for fun, though. Until something big happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Now I'm on them new mission. Free 